Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Welcome to Counter Melody. If that didn't knock you on your ears and have you simultaneously gasping, sobbing, shrieking in delight, maybe you are tuned into the wrong podcast. <laughs> no, anyone's welcome here. Today's episode is going to be focused on what the character Dinah in Leonard Bernstein's Trouble in Tahiti so memorably dubbed Escapist Technicolor Twaddle. And that's what this is. For the most part, there are some exceptions. I think we also have very many poignant moments today that will be tugging at your heart as well. What am I talking about? Well, this is a continuation of my summer-long crossover series. And today, we're looking at the long history of tenors 
singing crossover. There are a lot of your favorites, or possibly favorites, that we won't be hearing today. We're not going to hear any of the three tenors, zum Beispiel. I just made the executive decision to leave them out of the equation. They figure very prominently into the way that crossover really took center stage from the late 1980s and early 90s through today. But it's not my favorite kind of crossover, frankly. And I also want to just briefly consider what crossover actually is. But before we do that, let's go back to one of the very earliest recorded examples of what I would now, in retrospect, call crossover. That is a recording of Fernando de Lucia, the very idiosyncratic and compelling tenor singing Paolo Tosti's Serenata, a parlor song from that era, which is, in effect, a crossover song. throw this out there. Here is the young tenor Javier Camarena singing the beautiful song by the Mexican composer Maria Grever called Curame, which again is a crossover favorite. And I have to say, it's quite a stunning live performance. Enjoy this. Thank you. 
represents a particular genre of crossover that we will be examining a little bit later on in the podcast. Right now, I'd like to go back again to the very early years of the 20th century, to that king of crossover, John McCormick. This is one of his first recordings of the classic parlor ballad, I Hear You Calling Me. This is from the mammoth effort by Marston Records, as was the remastered of the Fernando de Lucia, which is a very important contribution. Both of these are extraordinary, and it's my favorite label, and I'm just giving them a little plug because I love them, and I get so much joy out of listening to all of their releases. I have them all. I've been collecting them for years, and it's just something that brings me enormous joy. So there you have a little plug for Marston, and here is John McCormick in the remastering from their big John McCormick box of I Hear You Calling Me, which he recorded I don't know how many times. But this is effort number two, if I'm not mistaken, from 
Let's just consider what a crossover is and why tenors in particular have been prone to doing so much crossover material. I have a friend, I don't know, maybe a former friend at this point, but a friend nonetheless who once said that he thought that you learned more about singers from the light material that they chose to record than the operatic arias with which one is always comparing them with other singers. And sometimes in the crossover repertoire, there are songs that are heard over and over and over again. And we're going to hear a few of those today. But it's almost as if these singers could let their hair down a little bit more when they were doing this repertoire. I think that's absolutely a spot-on assessment. And here's one of my favorite favorite, favorite tenors, Richard Crooks, whom we've already heard on the podcast once or twice. Here he is singing the Irish sentimental ballad, the kind that John McCormick so excelled at. This is called Makushla. It's one that, again, has been, at least back in the day, was heard over and over and over and really recorded to death. But I think Crooks's is one of the very best versions out there, so enjoy that. Your sweet voice is calling, calling me softly again and again. Makushla, Makushla, I hear it, dear pleading. My blue-eyed Makushla, I hear it in the back. Your white arms are reaching, I feel them enfolding, caressing me still, fling them out from the darkness, my lost love of a pushler. Let them find me and find me again if they.
Here's another Victorian ballad. This is by the sublime American tenor Charles Coleman, who had a very long career, first in Germany and then at the Met, where he sang character parts through the 1950s. This is a recording, I believe, from the late 20s of this wonderful song. Again, very sentimental ballad. That's what we're hearing quite a bit of here. This is called Love, Here Is My Heart. And it's from the teens. It was written in the teens. The recording, I believe, is from the late 20s. Charles Coleman. I have gathered my heart as a rose, as a rose from the midsummer garden, and my love at the heart of it flows, and its breath is a breath for your pardon. Love, here is my heart, one rose that I bear, yours is Throw it away Whether you know Tear it apart Or hear it again Something to next season of Counter Melody already. And based on the suggestion of one of my devoted listeners, I'm going to be doing an episode or two perhaps on so-called voiceless wonders, people that are all about artistry and less about sheer voice. Who is the prime example among tenors of that? I would say the Italian tenor Tito Schipa, who's really a sublime singer when you look at what he's doing with the material. Now here's a little bit of a curio. This is from Victor Herbert's Naughty Marietta. That's not in and of itself so strange. It's A Sweet Mystery of Life, another one of those songs that one hears over and over and over when one's looking at and listening to crossover material. But this, for some unexplained reason, maybe it was obvious at the time, is sung in Spanish. O dulce misterio de la vida. Tan dulce el misterio de la vida Que el secreto es muy fácil de encontrar Los 
llevamos escondido aquí en el alma. Mas son muy pocos los que saben que ahí está. Ven más cerca que el reflejo de la luna. En tu frente nacarada ve a brillar. En tus ojos misteriosos de moruna. Skipa sang a lot of Spanish-tinged material, tangos, character pieces, things like this. We'll hear a couple of those, not from Skipa, but from other singers, in a few minutes. Another crossover genre at which he excelled was the Neapolitan song, and this is something that has proven to be more or less a bottomless treasure trove for singers from, well, Fernando de Lucia and Caruso, through those 60s icons such as Franco Corelli and Carlo Bergonzi, through to the present day. Among that genre, one really must consider Carlo Bergonzi as being one of the primary exemplars. This is another Paolo Tosti song. It has a certain claim to legitimacy, quote-unquote, because the text is by none other than Gabriele D'Annunzio, the famous playwright who also provided the subject matter, for instance, for the Zandonai opera, Francesca da Rimini, and many others. And this is beautiful poetry as well. This is the song L'Alba si para dalla luce l'ombra. Bergonzi is here accompanied by my beloved teacher, John Mustman, in this 1977 recording.
Franco Corelli is another singer who sang this stuff so brilliantly. He has a very different approach. He's very much more balls to the wall than Bergonzi. I don't want to do him a disservice, but it's almost the vocal equivalent of manspreading. And one doesn't like to make excuses or allowances for that sort of thing, but when he is so handsome and when the voice is so gorgeous, I probably would ask him to make room for other people in the subway car. But man, I might just stand at a distance and drool over him, as I always do when I hear him sing. He's an animal, and I absolutely love him. This is the Neapolitan song, Tu Canonchiane, by the composer well-known for his contributions to the genre, Ernesto de Curtis. examine what we're not hearing on this episode. Somehow along the way, people have gotten this idea that all you have to do is call someone who sings light classical repertoire or, God forbid, even opera arias to be an opera singer. I don't even like to mention names. I'm sure you can all fill in the blank of your quote-unquote favorite crossover singers. These are people that perhaps they provide enjoyment to some people. I don't know too many legitimate singers who take great joy in them, but here is an artist who, man, did he have it together as a singer and an artist. That is the Spanish tenor Miguel Fleta, and here he is doing, I believe this is an Argentinian song called Ay Ay Ay. Ay Ay Ay. This is another one that has stood the test of time, written in the early years of the 20th century and still a favorite today.
Here is one of the supreme tenors of all time, Jussi Bierling. At the beginning of his career, he worked as a quote-unquote jazz singer with jazz bands of the period and recorded under an alias, Eric Ode. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but O-D-D-E. He recorded some rather quaint material from our perspective. It sounds rather quaint, but... At the time, dubious enough, I guess I would say, for him to record under an alias rather than under his own name. This is one of a delectable handful of recordings that he recorded under that pseudonym. This is called Tango Flickan, which means tango girl. And tango was another genre which was very popular among not just tenors doing crossover material, but other voice types as well. For instance, for some reason, among the Finns, I feel like I'm in a Cole Porter song here, not to mention the Finns, tango is very popular. This song, the song Jealousy, is actually written by a Danish composer. And because there was such a wealth of material for today's episode, I actually have already compiled a full bonus episode of singers and songs that just didn't fit in this episode episode. There's also a delightful tango selection that's going to be on that episode, and that is Richard Tauber, again one of the supreme crossover singers, singing Jealousy by that Danish composer Gade that I was mentioning to you. Anyway, here's Jussi Bierling as Eric Ode singing Tango Flicka. <laughs> crossover genres that I'm not covering today for the most part. One is Broadway musicals, because next week we're going to look at opera singers specifically on Broadway and in Broadway material. As for the other genre that I'm really not covering today is operetta. But folk material, quote-unquote folk material, and I understand that for ethnomusicologists this is a problematic term. There's so many composers 
who have done arrangements of folk songs, from Haydn and Beethoven through Bartok and Kodai, with a lot of other people in between. This is an arrangement done by the African-American composer Camille Nickerson of the Creole song Mr. Banjo. Here it's sung by the path-breaking African-American tenor Roland Hayes, accompanied by Reginald Boardman. God the mule at la Mr. Banjo, come on, Mr. Banjo, God some of you may remember that a few months ago I was in Hawaii, and while I was there, I thought, wouldn't it be nice to do some research into native Hawaiian opera singers. And I discovered this tenor active in the early years of the 20th century named Tandy McKenzie. I got a little obsessed with him and I was going to do a podcast episode on him and then the pandemic happened and I had to put it all on hold as so many of us had to do with so many different aspects of our lives. Finally, I am able to introduce Tandy McKenzie to you today. Here he is singing a Hawaiian number. Tandy McKenzie skillfully combined operatic appearances. For instance, he sang throughout Germany in the 1920s with the more what we would call traditional Hawaiian material. Much of it sounds quite the same from one number to the next, but this one had a particularly lovely melody. It's called Roselani. Oh, 
know, at the very beginning of the podcast, we heard an example of the Mexican composer Maria Grever, who wrote the song Curame. And one of my favorite tenors is the Mexican tenor Francisco Araiza, who will be having a birthday episode in the upcoming new season of Counter Melody, because he's got a big birthday coming up in the fall. He recorded an album of mariachi songs in the 1980s, and it's called Festa Mexicana, and I listened to it, and I didn't like it as much as what I'm going to play for you instead. This is from a crossover album that he recorded around the same time for a different label called The Romantic Tenor, and this is Lennon and McCartney's Yesterday. I think it might be time to take a short break here. I did want to say that this episode almost didn't happen because I have two family members that live in Kenosha. I'm very aware of what has been going on there. I woke up yesterday morning thinking to myself, I can't possibly do this escapist episode on tenors singing crossover material. 
I spent most of the day, in fact, trying to throw together an episode on the great Paul Robeson, and I realized it's too big a topic, it's too complicated politically, his life, his art, his activism. It deserves deeper research on my part. So right now I'm going to say that the first episode of season two of Counter Melody will be devoted to Paul Robeson. That gives me a few weeks to put everything together that I have been learning about him in the past months, and particularly yesterday when I did this crash course on Paul Robeson. Finally, I decided that it would be better to bring you guys the escapism that I had planned and to do him full justice at the top of season two. I also want to take a moment to thank my Patreon supporters. I've got a bunch of new people who are signing on to support the podcast, and it makes a huge difference to me. I thank you so much. For those who are interested in providing financial support for the podcast, please become a Patreon supporter. You do that by going to patreon.com slash countermelody, and there you can pledge beginning with $2 a month in support of the podcast. When you become a Patreon subscriber slash supporter, you gain access to the bonus material. I had mentioned that I'm putting together a second episode on crossover tenors that we'll be posting in the coming week. Last week I posted a follow-up episode on Cole Porter, and I had an enormous amount of fun putting that together, and that's also accessible now to my Patreon supporters. For those who can't afford to provide financial support, you can still help me get the word out about the podcast. There are various ways you can do that. Subscribe is one of them rate, review on your favorite podcast platforms. Those are other options. And just pass on the word. Be an evangelist for Counter Melody. Come on, help me get out the good news about this podcast. Love you guys. Thanks. And now back to our scheduled programming. In this segment of the episode, we're going to look at and listen to, thank goodness, the phenomenon of film and opera singers. The very interesting movies in various countries and languages that feature opera singers. Clearly, I'm not going to cover everything, but one of the most important of these figures is the tenor Josef Schmidt. He was a very popular radio singer in Germany who then went on to become a film star and then went on to be erased by the Nazis and deported, and he died in a refugee camp of typhus during the war. But just a few years prior to his death, he was still one of the biggest stars in radio and film. He was a very short fellow. He was not traditionally handsome, although I am absolutely delighted by his distinctive 
appearance. For the bonus episode, I'm going to feature him in a song called Der Emigrant. Today, though, I'm going to feature the theme song to one of his films. In fact, this was his last film in German, and it was called Heut ist der schönste Tag in meinem Leben. Today is the most beautiful day of my life. The song is written by Hans May. Words are by Ernst Neubach. For those of you who follow Deutsche Tonfilm Schlag, that is, these frothy, escapist songs and movies. These are well-recognized names, as is that of Josef Schmidt singing here what is a very upbeat, positive song, which sits in difficult contrast to what we know eventually happened to him just a few short years later. song evolved on the silver screen. We heard recently Zara Leander, of all people, singing the song Parlami d'Amore Mariu, which was featured in a film of that period. The composer of that is Cesare Andrea Bixio. He composed a number of songs that have become real crossover standards. Here's another one. It's from the film Mama. And the song is also called Mama. And those of you who remember Pavarotti, and I hope many of you do, though we're not listening to him today, he actually had a crossover album called Mama, which featured this song. The singer here is the person who introduced it in the film and was actually a film star himself. That's Beniamino Gigli. I'm putting him quite intentionally right next to Josef Schmidt because this is a person who very 
much was a supporter of the fascistic regime, both in Italy and in Germany, and who was therefore quite celebrated and featured by those regimes. It's always a difficult question with people like this if their present-day reputation should suffer as a result of what they did during the war. And I think that one always has to keep this in perspective, but that one can also appreciate their work, not denying their politics, and certainly not because of their politics, but maybe in spite of these things. Here's Gigli singing Mamma. Mamma Perché ritorno da te La mia canzone ti dice Che il più bel giorno per me Mamma son tanto felice Vive lontano perché Mamma Solo per te la mia canzone vola Ora sarai più sola, quanto ti voglio bene, queste parole d'amore che ti sospira il mio cuore, forse non godono più, mamma, ma la canzone mia più bella sei tu. Here's another singer who actually made a number of films. That is the Belgian-born German tenor Marcel Wittrich. I think that he is fully the equal of that great singer Richard Tauber that I mentioned earlier and who we will be hearing in a few minutes. I don't think this is from a film. It's a 1929 recording of the song Schöner Gigolo, Arme Gigolo, which in English is known as Just a Gigolo, which Marlene Dietrich sang in her last film. Here it's sung as a refrain to a band number and the band here is Marek Weber und sein Orchester and the refrain is sung by Marcel Wittrich. It's brief, but it's charming. And on the bonus episode, I will feature him also in one of the greatest crossover songs of all time. For now, this is another really good one, so enjoy it. Here is a 
character who I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to find crossover material with him, but much to my delight, I found that he actually starred in some films, including the 1934 film Tout pour l'amour, All for Love. Who am I talking about? None other than the greatest French tenor ever. Yes, I'm coming out and saying it, Georges Thiel. There's so many wonderful French singers. So many wonderful French tenors, but for me, Thiel gets the brass ring. He has this indescribable timbre, this technical expertise, the way that he brings so much power into his head voice. He's really an extraordinary singer, and on a good day, he was also an extremely handsome man. And he starred in this 1934 film, and the song is called Ninon quand tu me souris, Ninon when you smile at me. The the composer is Brunislao Capier, who, among other things, wrote the song Hi Lily, Hi Lily, Hi Low. He's a fascinating character. We will maybe do some further examination of his work. The French words are by someone named Pierre Gilles Weber, and better known today than Weber, Henri Clouseau, who, of course, is also a film director, probably most famous for Diabolique, but other things as well. Anyway, he he and his compatriot Weber wrote the words Ninon continue souris. Si je pense à toi le jour la nuit, si ta chère image me poursuit, si je suis fou d'amour pour toi, Ninon sais-tu pourquoi? C'est que nulle femme ne pourrait avoir à la fois tous tes attraits. Ta voix, ta grâce et tes cheveux, ta lèvre et tes beaux yeux. Ninon, quand tu me souris, le bonheur fleurit dans mon cœur épris. Ton sourire si joli. for a little bit of Richard Tauber. First of all, he was the king of operetta without a doubt. He also features in a number of films, including the film version of Lehar's Das Land des Lächelns, which you can see portions of on YouTube. Here, this is not an example from 
a film per se, but as a little teaser for what we're going to be hearing next week, a song from none other than Oklahoma, his 1947 recording of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. And if you ever wondered if it was possible to turn a number from Oklahoma into a number from Viennese operetta, first of all, they're really not so far apart from each other, especially a song like Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Anyway, here's Richard Tauber in his delectable, inimitable way, turning this into a beautiful morning in Wien rather than the cornfields of Oklahoma. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. sound of the earth are like music. The breeze is so busy, it don't miss a tree. And an old weeping widow is laughing at me. Here is a singer who also was an enormous film star, like a big, big, big film star, probably a bigger film star than he was an opera singer, although he also had a very substantial career at the Wiener Staatsoper. I'm talking about the Polish tenor Jan Kipura, who also went on to star in movies in Hollywood. This is a very interesting example. It's also from, I think it's 1937. It's called Give Us the Night, and it starred Kipura opposite another opera singer, the American Gladys Swartout. And this is a song by none other than Erich Korngold, two words by Oscar Hammerstein, who we just heard in the Oklahoma selection. I've read online experts proposing that this might be Kipura's greatest recorded performance. It's called Sweet Melody of Night. The orchestra is conducted by none other than the composer Erich Korngold. I've cut Kipura's performance exactly 
exactly in half. You're hearing the first half of it here. You can hear the second half of it, the release and the recap on the bonus episode. So enjoy this exquisite and stunning recording of Sweet Melody of Night. young kitty. I had this record that I loved. It was with the Norman Luboff Choir. I don't think I've spoken about this yet on a podcast episode, but it was all these very middle-of-the-road choral arrangements of nostalgic songs, and they featured a song called September in the Rain. And little did I know that this song was from a film called Melody for Two, and in this recording, it's sung by the American tenor James Melton, who was, again, a radio singer who went on to a career in the movies, and from there to a career relatively brief at the Metropolitan Opera. I'm including the verse to the song, which I had never heard before, but he stars in this film, Melody for Two, and he sings the song September in the Rain. Oh, and I should say, it's by Harry Warren and Dubin, and they are an unbeatable pair for this type of material. My daydreams lie buried in autumn leaves. They're covered with autumn rain. The time is sweet September. The place so shaded I'm riding Wings of an autumn breeze back to my memory. The leaves of brown came tumbling down. Remember in September in the rain. Every word 
After a long career in opera, went on to star in MGM films. That's the Dane Loritz Melchior, who many consider to be the greatest Helden tenor that ever lived. But here he is singing from the film Thrill of a Romance, a song by Sammy Fain and Ralph Freed called Please Don't Say No. It's not the most distinguished example that we're going to hear today, but it's certainly characteristic. Wagnerians love to sing crossover, but what that actually means varies from singer to singer. René Colo came from a very distinguished musical family. Both his father and his grandfather were important operetta composers. I'm not saying nepotism was involved in this 1961 release of a German version of the Gene Pitney hit Hello Mary Lou, but it's a hoot and a holler hearing someone who developed into a Helden tenor of sorts singing very much of a teeny bopper song from the early 60s. Hello Mary Lou Sieh mal an, dein Kleid ist schick und schick sind deine Schuhe. Und du, Mary Lou, du lachst dazu so wie ein Sonnenschein, Mary Lou. Aus dem Hause vis-à-vis 
sieht man jeden Morgen früh die Mary Lou den Weg zur Schule geht. Und sie schaut so nett daher, grüßt so freundlich, bitte sehr, das finden alle an ihr wunderschön. Hey, hey, hello, Mary Lou, sieh mal an, dein Kleid ist schick und schick sind deine Schuhe. Und du, Mary Lou, Du lachst dazu so wie ein Sonnenschein, Mary Lou. So wie ein Sonnenschein, Mary Lou. So wie ein Sonnenschein, Mary Lou. Another Wagnerian who balanced performances in opera with quasi-heavy metal material was the late German tenor Peter Hoffmann. Even though he died 10 years ago now, his fans remain extremely devoted to him here in Germany, particularly those who love him singing material such as we're about to hear, the song Love Hurts. I don't think he's completely at ease here. He seems a little studied, he seems a little stiff, but it's still an awful lot of fun and there is an inordinate amount of material available on the interwebs of Peter Hoffmann singing songs like this. episode, I'm going to offer a selection by a tenor I think of really as the quintessential crossover singer, and that is 
my late friend Jerry Hadley. He's the tenor on many of these recordings of crossover material from the ill-fated My Fair Lady with Jeremy Irons and another crossover singer who never really convinces me. Should I mention her by name? I admire her in some ways, and I featured her on an episode, Kiri Tikanua. Eliza Doolittle, she does not make, however. Jerry appeared on many different recordings of musicals that were done in the 1980s, including A Kismet, where he was paired opposite Sam Raimi, Julia McGuinness, and Ruth Ann Swenson. He's also on Bernstein's recording of Candide. He's on the Villalobos Magdalena, which was a musical that Villalobos wrote, and probably most importantly, opposite Teresa Stratos, Frederick von Stade, and Bruce Hubbard in the complete recording of Showboat that was made by the late American conductor John McGlynn in the late 1980s. I had mentioned that Jerry and I were friends. Toward the end of his life, he was dating one of my very best friends. We developed our own separate friendship, and we worked together as he was preparing to reestablish himself in the music business. He was a maddening, but a beautiful, wonderful, funny, engaging, thoughtful, considerate person. He had a distinguished recording career, including a 1994 release on RCA Victor that was called In the Real World, in which he's accompanied by Paul Gemignani and the American Theater Orchestra. He describes these recordings in the liner notes as almost a song cycle by a wide range of composers. They were arranged and orchestrated by Michael Sterobin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a rather highbrow crossover record, but there are some stunning performances on it. In closing, I'm going to offer him in the song What'll I Do by Irving Berlin. Thank you. 
come true What'll I do? My friends, please tune in next week. We're certain to hear Jerry again when I do opera singers on Broadway and singing Broadway material. Until then, my dears, keep the song in your hearts, and I'll see you very soon. I'm Daniel Gundlach. Bye now. <laughs>